The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Happy Sunday, everybody. How's everybody feeling today? Guys okay? Yeah, you glad to be here? Look at the, the red in here, looking good out here. I am glad that you're here, whether you are or not. And don't worry, our pastor is back in town. He isn't up here today, but he's going around and visiting small groups. So, if you didn't get in one, man, look what you missed out on today. So, he will be back at the at the end of the service, back by the library like he always is, if you need some FaceTime with him. But... Who knows that you cannot go on a vacation and have it be a real vacation if you have to prepare for a sermon, right? So I'm giving him a break this week, right? Yeah, you guys had a good time. We are glad that you guys are back. But we're giving him a break so we could have really enjoy a vacation um, this past week. And he will be back with you next week. So you can count on that. All right. So are you guys ready to hear from God today? Are you? Okay, well, that's good news. You never know how it's going to go when you ask a question like that, so I'm kind of, you know, hesitant. But, you know what? Sometimes it's hard to hear from God because of where you're at in life. Sometimes it's hard to hear from God because of what you think He might say to you. And we know this, that He wants to grow us. And growing us means growing pain sometimes, right? So sometimes that can be painful. But he does want to stretch us, and he wants to challenge us, and he wants to encourage us to be the people that he's created us to be. And that means this, that he wants us to reflect his image and take on the family traits, right? Anybody ever tell you that you talk like or act like or look like one of your parents or grandparents? Anybody? Yeah? I don't know if that's good news or bad news. Hopefully it's the good-looking one, right? Hopefully it's the good-looking one. But some of you guys have strong traits in your family, whether it's those high cheekbones or those bright blue eyes or your skin tone or maybe that smile or it could even be that really thick hair. Whatever it is, there's no denying that you're part of your family, right? For better or for worse. There's no denying it. And God wants that very thing for all of us, that he's adopted into his family, that over time we continue to look more and more like him and display his character traits so that people can clearly identify us as part of his family. And it's not the way that we look physically, but it is the way that we talk and live that gives away how much we look like our Heavenly Father. Just like none of us would probably say that there's nothing we would want to change about the way we look physically, there's also probably things that you would say, I would love to change this about my attitude or my thought life or my character. We all have flaws. And if you can't identify it, somebody close to you can help you with that. Now, that doesn't mean permission from the person sitting right beside you to start telling them unsolicited information. And I especially don't recommend it if you're sitting next to your spouse today. So just be warned, if you go do that, it wasn't on my word, okay? Either way, if you have that conversation, please wait till after the service because we don't need all that drama up in here, all right? All right, but if you need to know... You know somebody that can help you with that, right? You know somebody that's going to be able to say, yeah, this might be a blind spot in your life. 
Anyway, while we can't always change our physical features, we can always work on what we look like spiritually. And the first part of that process is letting God speak to us through his word in the Holy Spirit and then cooperating in the process of transformation through obedience. We've got to be careful that when we come in here on Sunday mornings that this platform doesn't become a stage where we're judging performances, but it's got to be a personal training session for each and every one of us and a growth opportunity. Everybody with me? Anybody with me? Okay, well, if you're with me, let's do this, okay? So part of the difficulty of this life and the pain associated with it is due to the need for healing that each and every one of us has. Not one of us are immune from having things that need to be healed in our lives. As a result of sin and rebellion against God, all the way back from Genesis chapter 3, when the first man and woman decided to do things their way, to earlier this weekend when you decided to do what you wanted to do, we've all been part of suffering the consequences of sin in our lives. And we're in need of healing. Think about how we've been affected physically. Our bodies are in a continuous state of deteriorization. Is that a word? Can I say that? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? From the time that we're born. And along the way, especially the older we get, the more we break down. And it's just like a car, right? The older it gets and the more mileage you put on it, the more you see the need for those repairs. We experience sickness and disease. And there's times that medication or doctors can help us delay the inevitable. But we all need physical healing at times. But it's not just physical, is it? We also need mental and emotional healing. Listen to these stats if you don't believe me. One in five adults experience mental illness in any given year. That's almost 45 million people in the U.S. alone, with a majority being depression or anxiety-related illness. About one-fourth of homeless adults living in shelters have a serious mental illness, and a quarter of those in state prisons have a recent history of mental health issues. 90% of those who commit suicide have an underlying mental illness. And about half of those with substance abuse disorders have co-occurring mental illness. And it's not any better with our young people. One in five children, ages 13 to 18, live with a mental health condition. 50% of the cases of mental illness begin by age 14. And 75% by the age of 24. 37% of kids with mental health issues drop out of school. And 70% of youth and juvenile justice systems have a mental illness. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among 10 to 24-year-olds. And 90% of those have an underlying mental illness. One in six Americans take a prescription drug for mental illness. It's pretty clear to me that we have a need for mental and emotional healing. We also have the need for relational healing. 
There are many of us who have been wounded by friends and family members that have not only strained our relationships, but caused us to be estranged from the person for periods of time. And I can remember growing up in my family, on both sides of the family, we had siblings that would go for years without having any contact and no conversation. We had parents and children that would go for years without having any kind of relationship due to those, due to that brokenness. And still in my family, it happens to this day, I'm sad to say. There's probably people in here that could relate to that and say, yeah, either it's me or, or I know there's people in my family that have had those broken relationships and caused them to have nothing to do with a family member. We're in, we have a tremendous need for relational healing. Even more than all of those things, though, that we have the need for spiritual healing. Each and every one of us has caused that personal need for ourselves due to our pride and our stubbornness and our arrogance and our foolishness and selfishness. You might be saying, am I talking to you? I'm talking to us, right? We all have caused that to ourselves and we have to own it. But unlike all the other needs we have for healing, we have complete control whether or not we experience this healing. We'll get, more, we'll get back to that more in a few minutes. But like the other needs that we have for healing, only God can help us experience that on a permanent basis. The good news is that he wants to, if it brings us closer to him and makes us look more like him. Anytime that God restores us physically or emotionally or relationally, it's a picture of what he wants to do in our lives spiritually and eternally. And today we're going to see what that looks like as we continue through the book of Mark. As Jesus came to give us a picture of what God looked like, and showed us a loving, empathetic, healing Savior who not only had the ability to heal, but he also had the desire to restore. He not only taught, but he touched. He got involved with the diseased. He didn't just dismiss them. And he gave us a model to follow as he went looking for people who were in need of healing and offered himself to them as the solution. Will you pray with me and ask God to speak to us this morning to show us what we need to see and then to do what he wants us to do with it. Let's pray. Father, this is all about you. God, we are so aware that we need what only you can give us and what you want to do in our lives. God, my prayer for this time is that you would use this imperfect vessel, God, to share the message that we need to hear so that we can respond to you in faith and you can use us to get, help people get to know what you look like, God, to introduce them to you, and God, so that we can experience the healing that you offer to us. Father, do what only you can do. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. So last week, Blake left us with Jesus teaching in the synagogue, casting out a demon, and the people were amazed at the authority 
that Jesus spoke with. But they couldn't believe that even the demons listened to him and obeyed him. And like Mark often does, he moves on to the next thing and the next action or event. And so we're going to do the same thing. We're going to pick up the text at Mark chapter 1 and see what Mark writes to us starting in verses 29 through 31. Read this along with me. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. The first thing I want to point out is that these guys brought Jesus home with them. They didn't leave him where they went to hear a message, but they took him home with them. If we're not careful, it can be easy for us to do exactly the same thing. We come to a service, hear a message, and go home unchanged because we're not taking him with us. How many things would be different in our lives if we actually invited Jesus to come home with us? How much healing could take place and how different would our world be? Jesus just isn't for church. This is the truth. He wants to transform your lives and your relationships, and he wants to do it starting at home. That might just be what somebody needed to hear today. But I'm not done. There's more. So Peter might not have cared about his mother-in-law, but Jesus did. That was a terrible mother-in-law joke. I'm so sorry. Peter, I love Peter. I'll tell you why I love Peter, because I can relate to Peter. He says and does stupid stuff all the time, and God uses him anyway. And that's why I relate to Peter. So, yeah, Peter wasn't involved in this, really. But Jesus was there, and he cared. He cared about the problems in their lives, and he cares about the problems in ours. And so... The, the book of Luke tells us that Peter's mother-in-law had a high fever, so we can assume that she was seriously ill and in need of healing. And that, and that at others' word, who came to Jesus and said, hey, she is sick, Jesus went and restored her health. But I love the way he does it. See, Jesus doesn't just stand back from afar and heal her. He goes to her. He takes her by the hand and he lifts her up. Jesus was personally involved in her life. He is present where she is. And isn't that what so many of us need? Not just somebody to heal us, to be, but to be present and personally engaged in our life. You guys ever need somebody to help you up? Ever? Yeah, me too. Do you ever need somebody to go to Jesus on your behalf and say, hey, I'm hurting and in trouble? Yes, this means yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So guess what? This is what I know. If that happens to us, then that means there's somebody that you know who needs you to do that for them. Somebody needs you to go to Jesus and say, man, my friend is hurting. My friend needs your help. My friend needs your healing because that's what good friends do. And can I tell you something else? That's what happens in small groups. People are cared for. 
And so if you're not already connected to one of those or plugged into a small group, I would love to talk to you after the service and help get you connected to one of those because that's part of the big deal about small groups. We care for each other. And just so you know, Jesus didn't heal Peter's mother-in-law so she could serve him. She served him because he healed her. Right? Anybody with me? When we're grateful for what Jesus does for us, we will serve Him too. Serving Him equals serving people. Anybody in here grateful for God's healing in your life? If you are, this is what He says to us. Go show me. Go show me. Live it out. It's one thing to be grateful for something. It's a whole other story to be grateful to someone and show them how grateful you are. Let's move on to the next few verses and see what we can see here in 32 through 34. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all those who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. But he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So the Sabbath rest ends at sunset. And immediately, as soon as it was dark, man, these people started bringing other people that needed healing to Jesus. Physical and spiritual healing took place there. And there's so many times in life that we might think that, you know what, this physical issue is my greatest and most urgent need. But most of the times in our life, it's really the spiritual that's the biggest deal and the most urgent. The good news is God knows that and he's willing to help. But I want us to notice here that those who needed healing, those who needed Jesus, were being brought by others. They cared enough about other people to bring them to Jesus, knowing that he could solve their problems and bring restoration in their lives. Who do you know that needs you to introduce them to Jesus? It's our mission as a people who have experienced his healing power to make that introduction, knowing that he can and wants to do the same thing for them. Discipleship includes inviting people into a relationship with a loving God. So be on the lookout for the people and take advantage of those opportunities. Hurting people are often willing to hear from someone who wants to help. If you take notes, that's a great thing to write down. Hurting people are often willing to hear from someone who wants to help. I won't spend a lot of time on this because it's not central to the message, but because it's here, we're going to hit on it real quick. In verse 34, Mark writes that Jesus drove the demons out, but wouldn't let them speak because they knew who he was. Isn't that interesting? That is so interesting to me. There's some different ideas about why this is. And in the book of Mark, several times he writes the same thing. That Jesus is out healing people and casting out demons, but when the demons come out, he said... Shh, don't tell anybody. And they listen to him. And so the Bible doesn't tell us specifically why that is, but I've got a few ideas. We're left to surmise. The demons knew the truth about who Jesus was, but he didn't let them talk. Let me ask you a question. Would you want your enemy gaining credibility with the crowds 
and trying to confuse them and deceive them while you were trying to love them and share the truth with them. Would you want that? I don't think that I would. Or, or maybe it's this, that Jesus didn't need any of the pressure or attention or the added expectation of everybody knowing that he was the Messiah yet. Because the problem with that is everybody had these different ideas about what that looked like and what that meant anyway. And finally, there's this. I believe that Jesus wanted to show them who he was through his actions so there was no misunderstanding. I believe that it's easy to debate words, but it's hard to argue with what you see and experience in a relational setting. And that leads to love and devotion. And that's exactly what God wants for all of us. So Jesus cares for the crowds. And he loves individuals through his actions. Those he knew, as well as those he didn't know. As he had, had opportunity. And then he waited for the right time to share truth with them. When your words and actions match, it's then that they matter. When your words and actions match, it's then that they matter. Sounds like a pretty good plan for us too, don't you think? Love people no matter who they are, as we have opportunity, and when the right time presents itself, share the truth with them. Well, you might be thinking, well, that does sound pretty good, but how am I going to know when the right time is? Good news. There's something that we can do to help us know in these next few verses here in Mark 1, 35 through 37. Check this out. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, he is Jesus, by the way, went out and made his way to a deserted place. And he was praying there. Simon and his companions went searching for him. They found him and said, everyone's looking for you. So with all that Jesus had going on, he made what was most important a priority in his life. He made sure he was spending time with the Father so he could hear from him clearly away from the crowds. Jesus knew he needed the wisdom and the strength and the power he could only find in prayer to live the life that God was calling him to live. And if this is how Jesus lived, why would we think we could do it any differently? Do you prioritize prayer in your life? Are you spending time with the Father in quiet so you can hear from him? If not, don't be surprised when you find yourself confused and weak and frustrated and off course in life. There's a great quote by Leonard Ravenhill that I'm going to read for you this morning, and I need you to pay attention. It's not up on the screen, so I need you to listen closely. It's good. It's good. Listen to this. No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, but few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. And let me take you back to the first sentence in this quote. No man is greater than his prayer life. 
if we're going to accomplish all that God has for us as individuals and as families and as a church, we have to make our time with God a priority. If we're going to lead people closer to Christ, we have to be spending time with Him personally. If you're a believer, there's nothing more important than the time you spend hearing from God on a daily basis. And once we get our direction and submit ourselves to His plans, we can live the kind of life that Jesus lived. Completely devoted to Him and His purpose, making it easy to decide how we spend the rest of our time. But we have to decide what our top priority is. Is it peace with God? Or is it popularity with the crowd? It's easy to be with people who want you, who need you, and who praise you, isn't it? That's exactly what Jesus was facing here. But he knew what we need to know. In the end, people will use you up and throw you away when they can't get what they want from you anymore, and they'll move on to something else. But it's not that way with God. You see, God wants to add to our lives, not take away with it or take away from it. He wants to give you peace and joy and wisdom and strength and energy to love people for Him. And you can't take shortcuts with God. If you're going to go where He wants you to go and do what He wants you to do, you have to do it through Him. It's tempting to let people praise you. But we have to be intentional to retreat to the only one who can sustain us and prepare us. Let's look at these last two verses, and I'm going to be done. Verse 38 and 39. And he said to them, Let's go on to the neighboring villages, so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. So he went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus didn't stay where he was, content with what he had done. He didn't get so comfortable with the people who were around him and who went looking for him that he let it stop him from going and looking for other people that needed to hear the truth and experience that healing. And we can't either. Jesus knew why he was here and what he was supposed to do, and he didn't let anything stop him from doing that. Neither can we. It was valuable for the disciples to see Jesus reaching out to people who didn't seek him out. He went where they were so that they could also experience healing and hear truth. Jesus helped those who were close to him, the curious who came to him, and then he went to those who didn't care about him. What a great model for us to follow as well. So not only does Jesus offer us healing, he offers us the privilege of sharing that healing with other people. He wants us to come to him because he cares for us. But he also wants to send us out to offer the hope that can only be found through a relationship with him. And while we can't guarantee that every physical need, emotional hurt, or broken relationship can be healed right now, we can trust a good God that will go with us and that will go before us and eventually help us to experience freedom from all of the issues that we experience as a result of sin. But we don't have to wait on spiritual freedom. We can make the choice today to turn to him, 
to confess our sins, to ask for forgiveness, and to commit our lives to following him, then we can live at peace with him, knowing that he's done everything that he needed to do in order for us to have that relationship. He came and lived a perfect life. He died on the cross in our place, and then he was raised again. And because of that, we all can enjoy the abundant life that he offers to us. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.